Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. The heavenly messenger Gabriel made another appearance. This time, the messenger was sent by God to meet with a virgin named Mary, who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David himself. The messenger entered her home. Greetings. You are favored, and the Lord is with you. Among all women on earth, you have been blessed. The heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary, and she wondered what type of greeting this was. Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Listen, you are going to become pregnant. You will have a son, and you must name him Jesus. He will become the greatest among men. He will be known as the Son of the Highest God. And God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever. But I have never been done with a man. How can this be possible? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. And that's why this holy child will be known as not just your son, but also the Son of God. It sounds impossible, but listen. You know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and is far too old to be a mother. Yet, she has become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months, she will have a son. So the impossible is possible with God. Here I am, the Lord, humble servant. As you have said, let it be done to me. And suddenly, the heavenly messenger was gone. So if you weren't here last week, the scripture readings during Lent we're doing in, in a sort of drama kind of way, um, having multiple voices, and uh, hopefully it's not too confusing. So last week, Zechariah freaked out when an otherworldly creature appeared to him. But Mary, in today's text, is simply kind of perplexed. Why would such an incredible message come to a common girl just barely a woman? Then her reply to such a foretelling about her purpose in life was also simple. Let it be so. Have you ever struggled with finding your purpose and being at peace with it? Or are you yearning for more peace in your life and relationships? The opposite of peace that derives from fear is denial. Mary's acceptance of the angel's message is extraordinary because being pregnant before marriage could have resulted in a very severe and humiliating sentence if Joseph had rejected her. Moving into the what is of the moment rather than sticking with the how can this be, denial allowed God to use her in a powerful way. We spend so much time wishing things were not the way they actually are that our ability to creatively see how God might be working within our undesired situations is diminished by all the energy we spend on the denial or simply passively waiting for things to change for us. But peace comes when we accept what is 
and are able to use our energy to live into the what's next. Instead of waiting for things to be more peaceful, how can we be the ones to offer more peace in our places of work, in our families, in our community, in this world? All enunciations in the Bible are about communicating something of identity. Mary is called favored by the angel. But what the angel is telling her is far from what we usually expect to be a favor. She is put in a precarious position. And ultimately, her son will be executed. And yet, from our perspective, we can see how favor was hers. Are we in predicaments? about which we cannot yet see the blessing? Obedience can be seen as moving towards God. The lure of the good is sometimes different than what the world says is good. Peace comes only with humility, not grandiosity, not fame. Peace comes with struggle, to know the other, to listen, and abandon our preconceived notions about another in order to see them and hear them and know them and be in relationship with them. Elizabeth prophesied at the sight of Mary, and thus Elizabeth becomes a messenger as well. The Annunciation is retold for emphasis. We're called to tell the story again and again and again of the holy, born as a human in this world, because it contains within it that which assures us of God's presence among humanity, all humanity, as is emphasized in Mary's song, that follows. Mary also becomes a messenger, offering a song of justice and peace on earth, accomplished when the oppressed are lifted up. She uses the descriptor Savior to announce that God is the one who saves the people from their suffering. Not a ruler with might, power, and money. Salvation is born in God with us, the divine present in and among the people. Looking at the Bible, we see another image. The evangelist Luke does not exalt Mary as a goddess, or as a mother, or even as a woman. He thinks she has a more important role as the ideal Christian. In the third gospel, Mary becomes the model for Christian discipleship, the person who all people, men and women alike, should emulate especially if they wish to follow her son. In Luke, Mary is the most Christ-like human being in the story. Her words to the angels cited in this week's texts are a direct parallel to what Jesus prays later in the garden. Let it be with me according to your word, Mary says. Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. In either case, the ideal response to God is presented as a combination of a humble trust and obedient service. Luke 1, 26 to 38 is also similar to some Old Testament texts in which there is a divine enunciation of a special birth. Ishmael in Genesis 16, Isaac in Genesis 17 and 18, Samson in Judges 13, Such parables, or parallels, may suggest that the real focus is not on the person to whom the announcement is made, but on the child who is to be born. He will be great. 
He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be given the throne of David and will reign over the kingdom of Israel forever in Luke 1. Scholars have noted that the Luke story also follows the form of an Old Testament call narrative. All the elements typical to that pattern may be found here. A greeting, a startled reaction, an exhortation not to be afraid, a divine commission, an objection, a reassurance, and the offer of a confirming sign. Similar patterns can be seen in the call narratives of Moses. Mary's final response, here I am, the servant of the Lord, may in fact recall the words of Samuel as well in Samuel 3. What many readers seem to intuit, though, is that the focus of the story is sometimes perhaps more on Mary than on her son Jesus. Because Mary's being called to the prophetic task of bearing and raising Jesus. Some scholars have even said that in his gospel, Luke presents Mary as a prophet and Jesus as her oracle because Mary is identified as the favored one who has found favor with God. Luke wants to make sure we know why she is favored and blessed. Her kinswoman Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by the Lord. What is notable is she's not blessed because she's going to be the physical mother of Jesus, but because she believed God's word. So whatever blessing accrues to Mary is one we can all share in if we're willing to emulate her. Now, this may all seem a bit heady, and I apologize, but it was sufficiently important to Luke that he brings it up again and again. In Luke 8, Jesus tells a crowd of people, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. There is no no indication in this gospel that Jesus' family did not believe in him. In Luke 11, Jesus teaches a crowd of people when a woman calls out, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you. And Jesus completely rejects this sexist ideology and declares, Blessed rather are those who hear God's word and obey it. In other words, Jesus is saying, My mother is blessed, but not because her womb bore me or because her breasts nursed me. She is blessed because of her devotion and faithfulness to the word of God. So Mary turns out to be not simply the mother of Jesus, but an ideal role model for all followers of Jesus, a servant of God who embodies faith and faithfulness. Pastor Debbie Thomas wrote some years back, I was seven when I graduated from the ranks of lambs and donkeys to play Mary in my church Christmas pageant. I remember feeling quite grown up at the time. I I donned my costume, a light blue gown, and a white headscarf. I remember practicing my lines for days beforehand. Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. For all the chaos of those performances, she says, there was something straightforward to her back then about Mary. Kneeling on stage with my head demurely covered and my eyes glued on Gabriel's glittery halo, I didn't think much about the Annunciation and what it must have cost Mary. Her decision to say yes to God seemed unremarkable to me. 
her obedience easy. How times have changed. At this stage in my faith journey, nothing about Mary feels straightforward or easy. Despite my familiarity with her story, the mother of Jesus strikes me as a woman shrouded in mystery. A woman whose yes raises as many questions as it answers. Would the real Mary please stand up? I wish she would because I have so many questions to ask her. When did you tell your parents you were pregnant? Did you tell Joseph yourself or did the gossip mongers in Nazareth take care of that for you? Did anyone in the village believe your story? After Gabriel departed, did you doubt his visitation, question your sanity, fear for your life? The story of the Annunciation is one of the most familiar ones in the New Testament. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. From this mind-boggling introduction, she goes on, an even more mind-boggling and rapid-fire narrative follows. The angel greets Mary, calling her God's favored one. He describes the divine plan for a miraculous conception. Mary expresses doubt. Gabriel explains God's plan in greater detail. Mary consents, and the angel departs. Pastor Debbie ends by saying at least half of what is maddening about this story is its brevity. We know what Mary was, that Mary was much perplexed by Gabriel's words and that she pondered his greeting. We know from her question, how can this be since I am a virgin, that she recognized the bizarre nature of the angel's announcement. But we also know from her last words to the angel that she consented to God's plan. Similar patterns are found in other call narratives in the scriptures. Mary identified as the favored one like others before her. Luke wants to make sure, like I said, that we know Mary's story, Mary's purpose, Mary's faithfulness and devotion to God. And finally, if you look at Luke eleven twenty-eight and 29, You'll find Jesus teaching a crowd of people when a woman calls out, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nurtured you. This is a colorful way of saying, How blessed to be your mother. This woman thinks it would be wonderful to be Jesus' mother because Jesus is a great man and the worth of women is often determined by the quality of the sons they produce. But Jesus, again, clearly rejects that. Blessed, rather, are those who hear God's word and obey it. Jesus is saying, my mother is blessed, but not because her womb bore me or because her breasts nurtured me. She's blessed because of her devotion and faithfulness to the word of God. So Mary turns out, in the end, to be not simply the mother of Jesus, someone we celebrate only in the season of Advent and at Christmas, She herself is a servant of God, a faithful disciple, and one we can emulate in our own lives. The study book that comes with this uh, series we're doing has some angel stories in it, and I've got one picked out for today. Once I get my whistle back, 
Roberta, a member of my Bible study group, had driven her husband to the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, where he was to receive a life-saving stem cell transplant. However, before the transplant could take place, her husband required a very high-risk surgery. The doctors were as honest as they could be when they told Roberta and her husband, Tom, that his chances of surviving the surgery were less than 50%. Other than Tom's medical team, Roberta knew no one else in the hospital, and she'd had no conversations with others. Knowing the odds were not in her husband's favor, Roberta sat alone at a table in the waiting room while her husband was in surgery. She laid down her head on the table and began to sob. After a few minutes, a woman she had never seen before approached and introduced herself. She said that she and her mother had recently flown from, to Houston from Egypt and that her mother was having surgery that same day. And then she reached out and touched Roberta's hand and said, I just came over here to tell you that your husband's going to be okay. Roberta later said that when the woman touched her hand, a complete sense of peace washed over her, and as her words, as her words were spoken, they filled Roberta with a deep sense of assurance and comfort. Hours later, Tom came out of surgery alive. He made it through the critical hours of the night, and by the next day it was apparent that he would be able to receive his stem cells transplant in the near future. Roberta asked the nursing staff if they would lead her to the woman's mother's room so she could properly thank her for the words that had brought her comfort through her ordeal with a sense of peace. However, none of the nurses she spoke with had seen anyone fitting that woman's description, and they insisted no one from Egypt had been admitted to the hospital. Later that day, Roberta asked her husband's surgeon if he knew anything about the woman and her mother, and the doctor affirmed the medical staff's assessment, we don't have anyone here from Egypt. He went on to say, but we get stories like this all the time here at MD Anderson. You've just experienced an angel sighting. Sometimes angels appear in our lives in such a way and with such impact that it's difficult to tell if their presence is human or divine or a mix of both. But one thing is certain. Whether the angels we experience are of human or divine origin, the divine is always at work in the midst of it. Through these messengers, offering assurance, offering guidance, offering comfort, offering peace, love, and protection to all of God's children. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you for your word this day for the promise of your ongoing place in our world and in our lives, calling us to you, calling us to one another, calling us to peace, love, joy, hope. We thank you for the gifts you give us each day that we take for granted. And we pray that we will be more intentional in reaching out to those around us who may be in need of a little bit of an angel. In your name we pray. Amen.